From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. This week's show features Adam Habig, co-founder and president of Freedom HealthWorks. Most Americans buy healthcare today with extreme fear and unwillingness. It's because there is no industry with murkier pricing than healthcare. There's no industry where people have to kind of hold their nose and consume something hoping they don't get a surprise bill six weeks down the line. It really is terrifying today if you have to encounter the healthcare system and you go in knowing that you may not have coverage with your health insurance for whatever it is you need. You may not have enough money in the bank to meet your deductible. And because the system that we have is combined to force prices up so far, the result can be catastrophic financially. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healthcare Americana. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, joined by guest Adam Habig, president of Freedom HealthWorks, as we finish up our second of two episodes exploring the diagnosis of American healthcare. Now, a lot goes into that one, Adam, so hope everybody's excited to tune in here with us. So welcome back to the studio to continue down this road. Thank you, Chris. And I would encourage the audience, if you've not listened to part one, where we set the stage, answered the question how we got to this point today, uh, you might want to check that out first. Absolutely. Um, We're going to talk about some things here today that echo a lot of what we heard in part one, uh, just on the general headaches of the U.S. healthcare system, um, what kind of system we had before, what kind of industry it, it resembled, and then what were the major events that took place that got us to this point where nobody's happy with their healthcare experience. Um, and so in part two, what we want to get into is really separating and educating what a picture perfect industry would look like to anybody in the U.S. who's free market loving, who thinks um, that a lot of the third party uh, payers and the government are adding two problems not particularly solving them, and then explore some solutions and, and what's going on and um, the powers that be to try to change this and try to curtail uh, this expansion of a broken system into one that completely overtakes our lives. So with that, Adam, like I said, always a pleasure to have you in and talk to you here. So let's jump into it. Um, you were talking a little bit before about opening up and and creating more price transparency within the industry and what that would look like. So my first question for you is, how do people in the United States, how do your average everyday American consume health care? That's a great question. The answer, a short answer is with extreme trepidation and unwillingness, I would say. Um, There's a great quote, I'm going to read this. and, And last episode, we quoted Democrat Senator Tom Daschle. So equal opportunity, we'll quote uh, Republican Senator uh, Phil Graham. And his quote was, we are putting people in a position where when they are buying health care, it is like going to the grocery store and having a grocery insurance policy where 95% of what you put in your grocery basket is going to be paid for by grocery insurance. Needless to say, if you had such a policy, you would eat differently. And so would your dog. Great quote to, to kick off this conversation because you ask how people buy healthcare today. Overwhelmingly, they buy it with the wrong currency, which is health insurance. The uh, last episode, we talked about the rise and how health, this mentality of using health insurance 
as the currency to purchase medical services um, overtook the um, the system that predated that and, and really is an outlier among other industries in our society today in terms of using insurance for things that insurance really has no business purchasing. Uh, but when I when you asked me, I said directly that most Americans buy healthcare today with extreme fear and, and unwillingness. It's because it's true. The, the, there is no industry with murkier pricing than healthcare. There, there's no industry where people have to kind of hold their nose and consume something hoping they don't get a surprise bill six weeks down the line. It, it really is terrifying today if you have to encounter the healthcare system and, and you go in knowing that you may not have coverage the, with your insurance, your health insurance for whatever it is you need. You may not have enough money in the bank to meet your deductible. And because the system that we have is combined to force prices up so far, the result can be catastrophic for you financially. And many times people can't find prices. They ask what something's going to cost, and they're met with the question, well, it depends. Yeah. How, how, how frustrating is that? How infuriating is that to anybody trying to walk out and buy anything in the world, any type of service, whether it's life-saving or not, to say, well, it depends. It depends if it's in-network. It depends if it's out-of-network. It depends what type of card is in your wallet. It depends if you have a card in your wallet. It depends if the receptionist saw the card in your pocket because they're going to get a different price than anybody else in there. How does that happen? I know we talked about in the in the previous episode really why that why that came to be, but it, it's almost like fast forward to modern day and people are looking that, and it's almost like an oligarchy of these big three or four insurance companies that control everything that we do within this healthcare industry and influence our decisions and influence the procedures that we get, who we see, who we can see, who we can't see. And so we hear these words about narrow networks and all this lingo that goes into it. Do people really understand what all those terms mean? People or is are, that just adding to the fear that you're talking about? People are bewildered. I'm bewildered and I work in the industry. And the most amazing thing, you'll find this in no other industry in our society, but neither the, the buyer nor the seller of medical services has any clue what the price is. Now, how do you control costs in anything, any sort of a, of a, of a transaction, when neither you or I as buyer and seller know what the price is? I mean, again, to use Senator Graham's example, say you're in the grocery store, the shelves are full, but there's no price on anything. And you get to the checkout counter and the clerk says, I don't know what these things cost, but I'll send you a bill in six weeks. Think about that. How could you shop, uh, how could you, how could you shop for value? How could you shop intelligently? There's no way. I think it'd be impossible at that point. And, and hence, we have the system we have today, which is um, it, it's very difficult for people to purchase insurance. Um, the vast majority uh, are, are very reluctant. And, and we hit on this in the last episode that um, because there are these barriers to care that have been erected over, year, over the years, um, because health insurance is a terrible way to purchase health care, in the name of cost control, these barriers have been imposed. Narrow networks you mentioned, high deductibles, co-pays, things like that that absolutely bewilder the, the average consumer. What they do is they prevent people from accessing the care they need until it's too late, and then they're swept into the hospital system, and it's a massive health problem with a massive price tag attached. So you repeated a common theme that you hear on the podcast. Health insurance does not equal health care. If anyone gets anything out of this podcast, <laughs> the entire series, I hope they take that to heart. <laughs> you mentioned cost. 
Um, so I want to dive into cost here and focus the rest, you know, the majority of this episode on cost. Right now, people are frustrated. A lot of people are angry. A lot of people are going bankrupt because they, they can't get a good read on what things cost. They can't afford it. Some people are banging the drum that the only way to drive down cost is for the federal government to take complete and absolute control over the healthcare industry. Well, they're already halfway there. So how's it working out for you today? Medicare, Medicaid today, half of our entire healthcare industry is single payer through the federal government. Think about that. If you're happy with the way we're going today, you're going to love when they consume the rest of the industry. Uh, all, all joking aside, the, the ideal health, we have to look at what's, what's the ideal healthcare system. You know, pick a target, pick a goal, and then figure out how we get from here to there. And I think nearly everyone in this, in this conversation can agree that the ideal healthcare system is high quality, it's widely accessible, and it's affordable. Those three things, quality, accessibility, and affordability. Notice mm-hmm. I did not say free. Healthcare, medical services can never be free. Are you listening, millennials? Healthcare can never be free. It requires very skilled personnel to deliver these services. It requires very uh, you know, technologically adept and, and highly sophisticated goods and services and products to come out of it. There's no way it can ever be free. Someone always has to pay the bill. Mm-hmm. So when you hear uh, this talk of, of single payer or uh, Medicaid for all or whatever they're calling it these days, the notion there is to, uh, I, I know someone's thinking right now, gee, wouldn't it be great if I could just walk into the, the clinic and everything was free or paid for by some other, some other schmuck who's a taxpayer who's going to pay my bill for me. But know that there's no such thing as a free lunch. So uh, what you see in, in this argument, I, I think, again, I, I don't fault the folks who are calling for that because they're ignorant. They don't know what that really would entail. You know, the, the notion that the government can run something more efficiently, Lunacy. It, it's, it's never happened. I mean, if you love the way the post office runs, you're going to love your your government-run health clinic, right? Amtrak, their shining <laughs> example. Yeah. So I, I think we have to go back to the, the end goal, which is affordability. And everyone focuses on cost in healthcare, and rightly so. In order for something to be affordable, that it implies that the, the price of that particular good or service has to come down to a point of equilibrium on the supply-demand scale that the average consumer says, yeah, I agree that what I'm paying is a fair price for this service. Healthcare never hits that metric today. No one thinks I'm paying a fair price for whatever I'm consuming from the healthcare system because prices are so inflated. But if you looked at how do we get from here to there, the answer, the antidote is actually to pull back from this notion of government control of, of healthcare and go back to letting the free market do what the free market does in every other industry. You know, there's a reason that uh, a plasma flat screen TV, you know, 12 years ago might have been $1,000 and today it's, it's $100. That's what the free market does. It finds ways through the collective decision making of millions and millions of people to produce goods and services more efficiently and to focus, laser focus, the production of what's, what's desired by the consumer uh, so that the sellers and the producers actually deliver those goods and services, all the while pressing prices down. Right. So it sounds like we have a very perverted supply and demand curve in the current industry. How would you describe, when, when you talk, hear somebody talking about, well, we need single payer because the free market healthcare system isn't working. 
What's your response to them, and how would you describe the current industry in those terms? Say it's a sliding scale. You've got on one end complete free market medicine where everybody's able to go out and negotiate prices with a physician, and they're willing to sign agreements based on those prices, versus the opposite end where it is completely controlled by one single entity. Um, if it wasn't the government, it would be called a monopoly. <laughs> and we don't like those from a consumer standpoint. Where would, where would we fall currently on that scale? The desire for single payer many times is born of this, this illusion that what we have today is a free market healthcare system. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. If you look actually at a scale um, from one being a free market healthcare system to 10 being single payer, we're at like notch eight on that scale right now. We really, like I said earlier, we've come so far that half of the entire healthcare industry is funded by government today. So we have, we have single payer for fully half of the system right now. The rest is dominated by the big four insurance companies. So you have really a, a, a very small group exerting massive control over this, this uh, $3.5 trillion industry each year. So that's my response to the single payer crowd when they say we've tried free market and it didn't work. So let's, let's just go full on single payer and, and emulate the United Kingdom or, or Canada. And that it's just, it, it's not true that what we have today or what we've had for the last several decades really has even remotely resembled a free market system. Like I said earlier, what are the hallmarks of a free market, a free marketplace? It's, it's the, the willing exchange of goods and services mm-hmm. among participants within that marketplace. Four, fair prices. You think clear prices in this country, at least. We, we have this notion of, of clearly posted prices on most things that we buy. Usually no negotiation or haggling or bartering. That's, some cultures have that. Not so much in the United States, right? So that is something that's been absent from healthcare as an industry for so long that people have come to see what we have today simply because it involves uh, private entities like insurance companies or hospital systems as the free market. And that's just, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, as far as the, the effect or the impact of, of single-payer systems where they've been tried around the world, certainly you can find people who, who love the NHS in, in Britain. And you'll find just as many who say, if you can afford it, you get out of the NHS and you go to the parallel private system, which strangely enough always seems to crop up right alongside the public government system in each of these countries, which I think should be a telltale sign that perhaps we shouldn't rush into single payer. Not everybody's going to be happy about it. No. The, um, some of the differences, in, and, and you'll see this in any time that the government tries to run something better left to individuals and, and the free market, um, the wait times are, are tremendously long. Um, they have the, uh, a very cynical uh, rationing regime uh, with folks who they deem unfit for treatment or too old to receive certain procedures and things. That's the cold, hard truth of going to something that is government-run and controlled. Uh, you have a limited supply, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, physicians are, are, are highly disillusioned. Uh, a lot of them will, especially uh, a lot of folks that can will flee to a, a more free market system uh, like we have here in the States still. But again, that's only because we're at eight on the scale of 10 when it comes to government control of healthcare. Which is, I don't think a lot of people recognize that. They think, like you said, we're much farther towards the scale in this free market medicine, uh, free market healthcare type of industry. So what do we do? What does that look like in your professional opinion 
the best possible industry? Where does it go from here? What happens? I think the reintroduction of the, the free market principles that I mentioned have revolutionized other industries, but have somehow been absent from healthcare for almost half a century now. As those principles are reintroduced, and, and mark my word, they will be, there's no way to keep out innovation. It, it will blossom no matter how, how much it's suppressed. As those types of innovations take hold, what we're going to see is something we hit on earlier. We're going to see price transparency reemerge. Lo and behold, just this week, executive order issued uh, from the White House that is attempting to compel hospitals to be more transparent with their pricing. There's all kinds of games that get played with that. So right. I'm not saying that's a silver bullet. But the point is that kind of pressure will continue to mount. And the usual suspects, the, the insurance companies, are uh, up in arms about it. And they're saying, well, this, this jeopardizes our ability to drive so-called discounts. And I say so-called with air quotes, right? Um, but I would say, okay, it, you're suggesting you have pricing power because you're a large player in the industry, right? Anthem? Sure. I would like to see what happens when you introduce the ultimate heavyweight into the ring, which is the free market, which is 350 million consumers now shopping around for value, comparing prices, uh, forcing uh, hospital systems to compete on both the quality they're offering and the, the price to value ratio that they offer. And it was interesting, you mentioned the executive order. Some of the critics of that coming out or this notion that hospitals need to publish their prices. And we've had a preview of what that means for a lot of hospital systems. I, I tell people it looks like trying to use notepad back in the early 2000s to write your school papers. Everything's jumbled up together. There's no formatting whatsoever. Good luck trying to figure out what that is. It's not exactly a published menu list of items that you would see at a restaurant listing all the procedures. I get that. But the critique came in the form of this notion that publishing prices, transparent prices in each hospital system, will actually make prices increase. And that was a head scratcher because the same article from the New York Times cited a Danish concrete oligarchy. And I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world argument are you making right now? Today, we have what could be considered an insurance oligarchy to make up the other 50% of the health industry that the government doesn't control. And I mean, you're starting to talk about collusion. You're starting to talk about just using forces that don't make any sense. I would think that the American healthcare consumer, the American citizen is far too intelligent to play that game. We'll see what happens if this executive order and if the, the pressure across the industry leads to actual price transparency. We'll see if someone contends that prices will actually rise. Uh, like I said, there's all kinds of games that get played. Um, back when the, when the ACA was passed, when Obamacare was passed, there was a requirement for hospitals to start to reveal their costs for every procedure. And hospitals played all kinds of games with that. I'm not trying to bedevil hospitals here. I'm just saying that, that there are ways to essentially perpetuate the status quo regardless of, of what mandate is handed down from Washington. But that's exactly why we have to uh, we got to shine some some light on this system. And I think one of the first steps is obviously pricing transparency. Another would be to allow health insurance to go back to being insurance. And again, you go back to, 
original sin within American healthcare, and it was this notion that health insurance is synonymous with healthcare. And we've we've talked about this ad nauseum, I'm sure. Uh, but if we can repair that that misguided notion and allow health insurance to behave as a financial instrument, like it really is, and allow then consumers to purchase care while comparing pricing, while having open and transparent perceptions of what they're both paying for and what they're getting, lo and behold, the system will heal itself. it's, It's incredible. And again, direct primary care is a clear result of this appetite, this hunger within the uh, society today that what we have in healthcare is simply not acceptable. It's on a trajectory that is unsustainable. And to fix it, what do we do? Do we go on and just complete this takeover and become a single payer system? Or do we look at what's working? And we look at some of the employers who are leading this charge, the ones that, that have embraced direct primary care, have cut the insurance companies out, frankly, and contracted directly with health systems but on the condition that they receive very clear, transparent pricing from the hospital systems. Mm-hmm. You reinsure the risk away, which looks a lot like what insurance should be. And lo and behold, these are the employers that instead of paying 15, 20% increases year after year after year on their health insurance, they're now seeing 20, 30, 40% cost reductions year over year. And the reason it starts with the self-insured, the self-funded employers, because they're the only ones right now that have the the flexibility, the freedom, the latitude to basically reassemble their health care and their health insurance the way that it ought to be. And the rest of us don't have that. As consumers, we don't have that ability to put those plans together. If you happen to, to be one of the individuals who gets your, your health insurance, your health care from a self-insured employer, which is a, it's a huge amount of, of, of American society today. It's a growing trend. And I just I point that out because when you look at what's working, you see we're far too intelligent as a society today to simply tolerate these year-over-year cost increases for what is, frankly, dwindling value. And you look at how health costs have risen 75% in the last decade, while deductibles have risen 200%. Think about it. You're paying more and getting less every year. We're not going to put up with that as a society. So that's why I have hope that, that people will see what's working and the conversation will gravitate that direction instead of what people think or speculate or hope might work by going full on single payer. Very nice. Like I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, Adam, I uh, appreciate you coming by again and thanks for doing two episodes uh, with us. If anybody out there would like more information on direct primary care or Freedom Health Works, visit freedomhealthworks.com. We have a locations page on there. You can find a physician near you to suit all your needs. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in to Healthcare Americana. Remember to subscribe on any platform you're listening to, share with all your friends and family, and tune in next week. See you. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com. 